the word of the Lord. But before we do, I want to update you guys on, on what's happening with our community, this family, and what's, what's going on in right now, the relief effort, uh, and which, is, which is really a rescue effort at this point in the Bahamas. Um, Church United, which we're a part of, it's an organically organized movement of about 450 churches in Broward County alone. Um, we are coming together. How many of you know that you can do a whole lot more together than you can by yourself, right? You know, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together, you know? Um, And that's what we want to do. We want to make an impact, and we want to go far. And so we've partnered initially with Church United and Samaritan's Purse. And I want to show you a couple of photos of of what's already busy happening. This ministry is, is set up to go into a situation like this and really make a vital contribution. And they have a, a, a DC-8, I believe it is, and they've been loading the DC-8 um, with goods and, and, and items. And I'll show you the next photo here that this has already happened. It's already been loaded into the airplane, has arrived over into, ha- uh, into um, I was going to say Haiti, I'm flashing back to the, to the earthquake, but into the Bahamas. And we are setting up right now a mobile hospital on the ground that is state-of-the-art, and it's going to serve the medical needs of those that are being evacuated from um, some of the outer islands and most affected areas and teams of doctors. And so there may actually be need. Um, We'll keep you guys. We're going to be on a weekly call um, with Church United, with initially Samaritan's Purse, and there may be a need for medical personnel to go over and serve. And other ways, listen, the reports that we're getting back, this is a long-term thing, you know. Right now, it's, it's, it's relief and rescue, and then it's going to be rebuilding. And so we want to be in this long-term because, you know, after all the, you know, everything blows over and the people are, are, are there and they really need the help to get their nation back up to where it, it's, it, God would have it to be, we want to be stepping into those moments. And so... We've set up uh, a relief fund here at the harbor called the Bahama Relief Fund. And, and you can text, give, re- just put relief on there and text the amount that you want to give and it will go into this fund. 100% of everything that's given is going to go into the Bahamas and into the work of what's going on over there and the people. And um, text giving, you can give it through uh, the mobile app. You can give it on our website and you can choose that fund specifically and again, all of those resources will go to help what's going on in the Bahamas. And we'll keep you guys updated on things that are happening. I mean, we, we want to take a team over there at some point and help in the rebuilding effort as God would have it. And, um, you know, right now, I don't know if you know this, but there's many well-intending people uh, that want to get in their John boat and, you know, go over with, with a couple of bottles of water and stuff. And they're actually turning all of uh, all vessels away that are not uh, government uh, vessels and airplanes, it's very hard. You have to get special clearance to even get in. But we, it's amazing. God's opened up some doors. We have friends with airplanes and helicopters that we're going to start to work with to take stuff and, 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 and bring uh, relief to that nation. But I want to have Cleo come up with Julio. Julio just closed us out with worship. Um, but can we give it up for these two? Um, Julio was on fire this morning in the close. That was awesome, man, to see that passion flowing out of your heart. But... We were in touch because they had family over there in the Bahamas as all this was going on. In fact, one area of the island on Grand Bahama 
Julio's family uh, evacuated, and they actually had to evacuate twice, ended up in the second floor of a police uh, complex uh, because of the storm surge height. And his brother stayed and, and was unaccounted for for a couple of days. Thank the Lord that he was safe after they got back in touch with him. But So lots of stories, lots of things that were going on over there. People having to climb up into their attics and then they couldn't go back down because the water level was at, at top of the ceiling height and they couldn't get out of the roof because the metal roofs. But there's a specific story that we want to also share with you that we're wanting to be a part of right now. Um, we're partnering with Samaritan's Purse and, and Church United. Uh, but could you share a little bit about that, Cleo, and then, and then we'll pray for her as well. Good morning, church. Um, my sister has a friend. Her name is, um, tell me her name again. Tanya. Yes. Um, she is the sister of my sister's friend. She's nine months pregnant. She's due in a few weeks. Um, there was a video circulating on social media of water spilling into, some of you have probably seen this, the water was spilling into the window of the kitchen. Um, the waters had already reached like to the countertops of the kitchen, and you know they were pretty much trying to keep the water out by closing the window, but that wasn't helping. Um, that video, we didn't know this, but my sister's friend um, and her sister were actually staying in that house. Uh, we found out afterwards, and they were actually in there, and she, she's nine months pregnant, and they had to evacuate from that house to another place um, where they can get shelter um, just from the surge that was coming in. Um, thankfully, she has been able to um, be, uh, she was transported here from uh, Grand Bahama yesterday. So she's here in Fort Lauderdale, and, um, but she lost everything. Um, her and her sister lost everything, and um, the need is very great. Um, she needs uh, baby items and stuff like that. Um, so if any of you have um, just baby items that you don't need any, lo no, need any longer, it's for a boy. She's having a boy. Um, we would um, be so thankful just to have those um, donations. I know um, Pastor Darren said that they're going to try to work out the logistics of that. Um, so an email will be sent out as to how you can organize and, and get that to us. But she's here and she's safe. Um, just yesterday, I was at my sister's house and we were sitting at the table and like I said, the needs are just coming in. They're just flooding in, um, people needing to be rescued. Um, a friend, well, we don't know her, but she's a friend now. Her name is Rowie, and she just posted on social media that she was ready to just give up. She was ready to, you know, she didn't want to live anymore because she's um, sick. Uh, she was living in the northern part of the island in Abaco. And um, as you know, uh, there are literally the deceased everywhere. Um, the stench of the, the deceased are in the air, and... Um, people are just trying to survive. Um, the looting is only as a result of people trying to survive. But they're eating the food from uh, the, the uh, stores that are, it's contaminated because they've been sitting in water. So they've been trying to just survive, you know. And uh, she was ready to give up. And my sister, thank God, uh, she was able to connect with someone else on social media that had connections to the Coast Guard. And um, she was able to get the coordinates to that person, and they were able to get the coordinates to the, so the, the Coast Guard, and they were able to rescue her just yesterday. She found out 3 o'clock this morning from Roe, the girl, that she was rescued. She's in Nassau right now. But, I mean, there's just stories like this, numerous stories like this, 
of people that are just feeling helpless. Um, mothers with children that need food and water. They haven't eaten in days. I mean, just yesterday there were mothers crying out just because their children are hungry and there's no food. You know, in certain, there, there is aid getting to the Bahamas, but certain areas, um, they have not been able to reach as of yet. So people are just, they're hungry and they're desperate to get out. And the, you know, disease, uh, waterborne illnesses are um, a reality right now. You know, so, um, you know, just please continue to keep the Bahamas in your prayers. But I'm really thankful for this relief effort because, you know, we know that it's a trusted source and we know that the aid will get to the people because um, a lot of people are donating. But unfortunately, the problem is the aid is not getting to the people. And so, you know, we know that if we donate to this relief effort, they will get the aid. And that's important. So uh, thank you guys for listening and appreciate it. And I'm just, you know, it's please continue to pray. Like it, the situation is dire. Um, it's, it's urgent. You know, their lives hanging in the balance. Uh, people have died in the thousands, you know, um, they don't even have the capacity to store bodies like, you know, and the problem is people, there are bodies, there are people there still alive trying to get out. And if we don't get them out, you know, then, you know, we, I don't even want to say it, but you know, just continue to pray that the relief, the rescue efforts are successful in the northern part of Abaco Island, especially because there's so many people there that can't get out. And so, yeah, thank you guys for listening. This is a real deal, and, and we need to hurt with these people that are hurting right now and then be a part, and we're going to do that. We are doing that right now. And as she mentioned, I... I I stuttered early about the Haiti thing because that was flashing back to my mind. But I remember when I was down there, I got pretty disillusioned because back home, and I'm just saying this because I'm your pastor, the Red Cross was taking up money left, right, and center, and I didn't see them at all involved in what was going on in Haiti. And that's just the, the hardcore truth. And, and, and so there's other organizations and entities that are really doing something when these kind of things hit. And I hate to say it, but a lot of stuff goes on in these situations where things get diverted, they get sold on the black market. you got to know who you're working with and who you're giving your stuff to out of your heart because it, we want to make the impact, right? And so we're only working with trusted sources. And I just going back to this beautiful daughter that's having a son in, in a few weeks, I mean, why not have the harbor throw her the greatest uh, baby shower that she's ever had? Why not? You know, that, that, that is an expression of Christ's love. So if you want to give specifically to her, just say relief, baby shower. We'll make sh Tanya, we'll make sure that money gets uh, to items that she'll need, and, and, and Cleo's going to help coordinate all of that. And so we'll, we'll send out an email this week of items that may be needed if you want to go buy them, and then how we'll be able to receive those items. And, and then we'll bless her in the name of this community, in the name of Jesus. So let's just pray. Would you uh, with me just for what's going on? Lord, we, we know that you are good, that your love endures forever, that you turn everything that was meant for our harm ultimately for the good of those that love you or are called according to your purposes. And so we just declare over our bohemian friends and, and neighbors to the east that they shall have life. And we just, we just thank you, God, for for organizations with integrity and with character that are, that, are, that are doing their job with excellence, that are already on the ground serving. 
And we just pray that you would bring increase to that effort so that no one is delayed in their rescue, in their ability to have food and shelter and clothing. And we just bring all of those needs before you, Lord. And may we as a community here find our fit and our continued niche in what you want to do in that nation. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you, Julio and Cleo. You guys are awesome. You guys are amazing. Amen. Um, I just want to, for a few minutes, I, I, I'm going to go a little bit different direction than what I planned, just from some stuff that I'm feeling in my heart just since I arrived here this morning. But we're, we're looking into a series over the next little bit called Tipping Point. And I want to just give you the definition of a tipping point because I believe that we are living in an hour and in a moment in human history where God wants to initiate tipping points among his people. And a tipping point is this. A tipping point is the critical point in a process beyond which a significant, everybody say significant, significant and often unstoppable, unstoppable effect of change or change takes place. So there are things that we can actually see biblical examples of tipping point moments in the word of the Lord. And I believe that we're in a time, this is what I felt impressed upon as we've been entered into this series, that we are in a tipping point moment. Now, the thing that I want to just touch on today is, is there's many, many, many elements that lend uh, as catalysts for tipping points. Uh, and, and the one that I think is, is preeminent, that is foundational, that is the catalytic thing, in my opinion, is unity. Is unity. And I want to talk about union. Union with God, union with each other for just a few minutes. And I just want to, before I get into it, I want to say there is a massive difference between collaboration and being unification, unified, all right? I think we should collaborate. That, that means to work jointly with others with whom you're not immediately connected. I think that that's wise. I think that that's strategic. But I believe that there's something that God wants to do in the body of Christ who is connected by the blood of Jesus that is different than collaboration, that actually sets into motion a tipping point. Because when a tipping point happens, again, it's not something that can be stopped. It's not something that can be detoured. It's something, it's like, it's like a tsunami wave that's going to that's gonna play its course out. And it's a tsunami wave of goodness and of love and of beauty. And this is what I believe that God is up to. But I want to read just a couple of little things about uh, the definition of unity, just to kind of sow this into our hearts this morning. Because unity is powerful. Unity is the quality or state of oneness. It's a condition of harmony. I love this last one. It's community without deviation. It's integrity. Integrity is, I love this, listen, this is very powerful. It is an unimpaired condition where you're complete. And actually the word that you'll see in, in the verses in the New Testament, it would be substituted with perfect. You are complete. You are perfect. 
you are sound and you are incorruptible. This is really strong language that the Word of God uses as it relates to unity. Now, I want to look at a verse um, that we've read a million, million times, and this is where I'm kind of going in a little bit different direction because out of the order of what I was going to do this morning, but it's in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 28. Now, we know in Ephesians 5, Paul, who is an unmarried man, he's living a celibate life for for the purposes of the Lord, and he's talking about marriage. And the interesting thing is that it actually... It's an illustration that actually has nothing to do with marriage. It can be fleshed out in marriage, but it has to do with Jesus and his relationship to the church. His union with the church. His unified relationship with his body. Now, we've said this a million times here at the harbor, but it... it, 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 I'd be remiss if I didn't say it again. He's not unified with a building. He's not unified with a denomination or some religious business. He's unified with people, with individual hearts and with collective hearts. There's the the body of Christ you know, congregationally, like we're a part of here today. There's, a, there's the body of Christ regionally. There's the body of Christ nationally. And there's the body of Christ for those that call Jesus Lord globally. And he is in union with that body. He is connected to that body. And he's speaking about that. Paul is the revelation of that in Ephesians chapter 5. I want you to read this with me. He says, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. Now look, look what he says following. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. Then he's emphatic in verse 29. He says, no one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church. Again, because marriage is a practical illustration of the truth that's trying to be communicated here, he's not specifically talking about husbands and wives. In fact, if you put it into proper context, he's talking about people in the body, who are loving other people in the body, the wife, the bride, the the members of the household of God. And it's interesting that he says, listen, if you love your wife, you're expressing the heart of God, the same heart of God that he has for the church. Now, what's interesting, there's a a verse, I'm not going to go to it right now, but but there's a verse that says, be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect be complete be be brought into this reality that God is wanting to manifest on the earth now we think perfection in terms of like never making a mistake that's not what he's talking about he's talking about union he's talking about our our ability to come and enter into the love of God 
And he said, it doesn't even make sense. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it. I want to ask us this question this morning. When we sit and we think about other believers, other people made and created in the image of God, do we think about loving them in the same way that we want to love ourselves? And is the action of that being demonstrated practically through the way that we live our lives? It's a good question, right? When the hurricane, I was saying this to to the volunteers this morning in our Connect, I was like, when the hurricane was coming, and this was responsible for me to do for the sake of my own family, I made sure that we had food and water and gas in our cars and all that kind of stuff. And, And there were moments when I wasn't thinking about anybody else, right? Now, there, that, that may be legitimate, if you will, but I, I just felt a stirring uh, because I, I was caring for my own family, but I felt a stirring like, Lord, what do you want to show me as it relates to members of the body of Christ that i am actually been brought into union with them through the blood of Jesus? This is such a powerful thing that Jesus, in his last moments on the earth, prayed a prayer out of John chapter 17, that the Father, in this request, Jesus' last request, while he was on the earth, so he's linking the, the will of heaven that's up, up there where his Father dwells, and he's wanting to see all the attributes of God come and manifest themselves here on this world. And so he does that by requesting this prayer. And he says in John chapter 17, verse 23, I want, 22, I want you to look at this with me. After he says, God, make them one as you and I are one. Now, oh, gosh. I, I, every time I think of that verse, which we'll get to this one here in a minute, but it's the verses before, when Jesus says, make them one as you and I are one, my mind gets blown every single time. Because the union of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, is the exact same union and love that he wants us to have for one another. Profound, right? So then he goes into verse 22. He says, I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. Because I'm looking for something practical. Like, God, how in the world am I going to love other members of the body of Christ as I love myself and manifest your presence here on the earth. How do I do that? And the Holy Spirit was like, Darren, honor is the initial expression, specific expression of love that manifests unity. What are you talking about, Lord? What do you mean by honor? Well, here it is right here in verse 22. I have given them the glory. That word is the Greek word doxa, which means honor. So that we may be one as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one. So honor is the secret sauce, if you will, in our efforts to see this manifestation of unity on the earth. Honor. What is honor? Honor 
is something that recognizes, sees, and perceives, perceives the value or worth of another individual. Okay, Darren, that's awesome. There's a massive need right now in Bahamas. There's, there's a massive need in our world. South Florida has so many lives that are suffering. There's so many people even in this church. Where do I begin? Because I want to break this down for us just to have something tangible to walk out of these doors today. Do you remember when Jesus was even praying this prayer, he said something very interesting. He said, Father, the ones that you have given to me. What? God himself on the earth manifest in the flesh, and yet there were specific ones, a specific assignment that the Father had given for him to manifest this honor to those that he had put before him? Totally. Totally, because think about it, like, we can get stuck in being overwhelmed with, my God, where in the world do I even begin? We've got to pray and ask God, who are the ones that you want me to connect my heart to in this specific way and be intentional about manifesting your love to their life? If Jesus only had 12 people, and within those 12, a specific three, and within those three, a specific one that he poured his time out to, it would behoove us to be strategic in the same kind of a way. It doesn't mean that we ignore the person on the corner that maybe is asking for money or those moments where Holy Spirit highlights someone and we reach out to them because he's telling us to do so. But I think that there's a lot of wisdom in asking God who he would have us to manifest his love towards. We know for certain that within the context of marriage, coming back to Ephesians chapter 5, that we're to do that with our husband and our wife. Now we know that there's two forces that are at work in, in, in the earth that, that, are, that, are, that are from another source. In fact, I want to read this verse to you. In, out of Colossians, he says, and we're going to wrap this up. He says, out of chapter 2, verse 8, he says, Don't let anyone capture you. The word there is seduce or corrupt with empty philosophies of high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from spiritual powers um, of this world rather than for Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. And so you also are complete through your union with Christ who is the head over every ruler and authority. In other words, here's what he's saying. Because Jesus manifested the fullness of God and in essence because of that the full measure of the love of God. You likewise have the capacity to do the same because Christ is in you. The very hope of glory for the rest of the world. But don't be seduced. Don't be corrupted. Don't let any humanistic way of thinking and, and philosophies of, of the patterns of this world take you out of that. So how can that happen, Darren? How does that practically happen? Well, you go and you give yourself to somebody. You love someone. You open up your heart to them fully. And your heart gets smashed 
Anybody else ever been there besides me? You, you, when, you, when you fully love and you fully give it all, that is one of the biggest risks that anybody could take. But it's one of the most powerful expressions that we can do with our life. But when we get hurt, the philosophies of this world would say, be offended, stay offended, wall up, corridor your heart off from other people, and never go there again. That's strategy number one. Strategy number two is we don't use wisdom in how and who we express our love to, and then we spend it everywhere, and then we end up burned out, fried out, with no more love left in our heart. So I've been asking God, Lord, as I find those ones that you are calling me to specifically give my life to, starting with my own family, how do I walk this in a way that, walk this out in a way that actually will see fruit born from what and whom you're calling me to love. Going back to Ephesians chapter 5 as, as we close. Verse 29 when he says, No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. I, I love the language in this verse because I think it's so practical, like, we see the balance of, I believe, the manifestation of, of the nature of God to, to, to love people unto to fruitfulness. You know, like in the Bahamas right now, there are just specific needs that people have, right? That, that we need to, to come and meet those needs. We need to, to, to care for them. We need to come and, and be the expression, the hands and feet of Jesus. And then ultimately, we need to strengthen them on their inner being. Like, we need to feed them. We need to give them some substance. You see, I think right now, the, the, the invoke thing to do is, is, is social justice, social justice movements. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's, I think it's the heart of the Lord. But ultimately, people need sustenance on the inside. Truth. Right? So when we're caring for other people, for, for the, the, the other parts of our body, we both feed and care for them. Why is that important? As we close and we take communion today, do we have the revelation that unless the person sitting next to me on my left or my right or behind me in this room today is successful and stepping into their full destiny that I may not be fully successful or stepping into my full destiny because I'm one with them. You know, the Bahamas, oh, it's 60,000 people. What's the big deal? No, there's believers over there that have a future. And their future 
matters to our future. You know, people may be hungry and we go give them a meal, but people are also starving for like truth and revelation because there's been so blinded by, by all kinds of lies. Do we care about that too? Do we have the courage to have healthy confrontation when that's needed as well to speak the truth in love? Are we too afraid to really say something because we don't want to, you know, upset the apple cart and then we leave them go along their merry way of the life that they're, the broken life that they're living that maybe they'll never get fixed because you weren't able to be a faithful presence in their life. I mean, there's so many myriads to, to this. Where I'm at right now is I'm like, first, Lord, let me see. Let's make this our prayer as we take communion today. Lord, let me see the potential of people through your eyes. Our first inclination with people that we may not jive with or may have whatever issues is, is to, to, to minimally ignore them, minimally dismiss them, maybe even hate them. I don't know, but there, there must be a reality of that because he says no one who hates his own, no one hates his own body. Well, I'm just going to leave the church. I'm just going to disconnect. You can't leave the church. You can't disconnect. It's impossible. You can leave and not go to a Sunday morning gathering totally. You can maybe never don the doors of another Christian meeting or small group or anything again. But if you have Jesus in your heart, you can never depart yourself, disconnect yourself from his body. Is this making sense? I've just come to realize, I've just come to own it like, Lord, your people in all shapes, sizes, colors. In fact, the Bible calls the body of Christ a peculiar people. Can anybody else identify with that? Oh, my gosh. I'm like, Lord, I want to honor them. I want to. I want to see the specific value and worth that they carry in your son that is potentially there. That though it may not be manifesting itself right now, God, it is going at some point to come forth. Have you called me to be an effect of change in that person's life or not? Who are, if not them, who are the ones? I want to ask you right now, who are you giving yourself to on a daily, weekly basis? Can you name one person, two, three, four, twelve? Darren, I don't know where to begin. Listen, go have coffee with them. Pray before you go. Ask the Lord to show you who they are. Sit there, listen, ask good questions, and let the revelation just pop. And then speak life back into them for what you see. I mean, that's a simple beginning point right there. tipping point Hebrews chapter 10 this is so powerful about the gospel and as we take today I want to read this over us he says for by that one offering oh my gosh this is amazing he forever made perfect those who are being made holy holy 
I like how Alan Platt says it. It doesn't jive exactly with my English, but he says, we start at finished. Wow. Lord, your blood has perfected me. Your blood has brought me into a state of unity, a a place of oneness with you and with all the others in the world that call Jesus Lord. We are going to be in a condition of harmony, no longer singing our own songs, but singing one song to the Lamb. We will be and are in continuity Without deviation, we will have integrity in the earth. An unimpaired condition, sound, and incorruptible because of the blood. Death, you have no sting over us no more. Hell and the grave, you've been defeated. Brokenness is no longer our portion. Lies. And scandals and all those those realities of, of, of coming from the God of this world and the culture of this world, it is no longer our portion. So we pause today, Father, and we remember a broken body, a man named Jesus who spilled his blood for humanity. <laughs> to see beauty come where there was once ashes and joy come where there was once mourning and praise where there was heaviness and sight where there was blindness. And Lord, we ask that that same spirit that rested on Jesus that lives on the inside of us would manifest itself through our lives. We're not here to be part of some bless me club. Lord, we want you to change us so that we can change others. Transformed people who are transforming culture. So we eat and we drink today in remembrance of this beautiful gospel that is alive and well in the earth. Could you eat and could you drink? I want us to close our eyes, and I want you to imagine there's one person that God's laying on your heart today. I want you to consider when you leave this gathering this morning that you make a point to reach out to that individual because their success matters to your success. Their wholeness is going to contribute to the fruitfulness of your life as a believer in the earth. In fact, today, Lord, we honor, we see the value and worth of every single congregation in this region that calls Jesus Lord, that believes in the shed blood of Christ for the remission of sin. 
no matter what we think about those churches or how we differ or how we even see whatever realm of brokenness, we honor that reality that, God, they name the name of Jesus and we pray for their well-being. In fact, today we pray for every pastor and pastor's wife and, and leader and member of those churches and we ask, God, that there'd be a tipping point that comes because they get transformed by this beautiful gospel. Listen, everybody look at me for a second. I'm, I'm closing this out. But I was thinking this week, I was talking to our staff, and I was like that whole harvest thing. Remember when Jesus was hanging out with all these Israelites, and he says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few? He wasn't talking about few in number. He had thousands of people surrounding him. He was talking few that had revelation of what I'm talking about right now that they had been brought into a place of union with Jesus, that his blood was powerful enough to change their lives, that no longer were they victims and slaves that had come out of Egypt, but they were God's people, that they were a holy nation, that they had now been set apart, that they were no longer the tail, but they were the head, and that they were called to reign in the earth. I believe that right now there's a harvest of harvesters coming. If he can get a hold of us in the church, if he can get a hold of those that have left the church, the prodigals that sit in the pews and the prodigals that are wandering the streets. It's all about value. It's all about worth. The prodigal that left, oh, I'm no longer worthy to be in my father's house. Why? Because of what you did? Are you measuring your value and worth by the bad things that you did? No, you measure your value and your worth by who you are. And you're a life that was paid for by Jesus. Well, the big brother on an opposite religious spectrum, look at all the things I've done. Father, I've been here faithful. I've been, I've been tithing this whole time. I've been serving the whole time. And you never threw a party for me. And he's looking at him like, so that's where you get your value and worth? From church attendance and giving and serving? Really? No, your value is because of who you are. This party that I'm throwing, this robe that I'm putting on your brother, the sandals I'm putting onto his feet, the ring that I'm putting on his finger, it was yours the whole time, but you couldn't see it. Extravagant in sin, extravagant in religion. That's what prodigal means, extravagant. I told our small group leaders this Saturday that actually the story is not about a prodigal son, it's about a prodigal father, an extravagant father. An extravagant father with love. Come on. I am, for the fourth time, closing for real. But I, I want you, for, come on, listen. I want you, before you walk out these doors, I want you to see his love for you. And I want you to receive his love for you. Because of your value and of your worth. He doesn't make junk. You're not damaged goods. He doesn't throw people away. He doesn't throw islands away. He doesn't throw little nations away. 
He doesn't throw ethnicities away. He doesn't throw poor people away. He doesn't throw rich people away. He doesn't throw whatever demographic away. He comes and he redeems people. He buys them back. Buy us back today, God. Let us receive the price that you paid on that cross for ourselves. Extravagant love. Extravagant generosity. And the gift of the Father, the the blood of His own Son. And then let us give it away to somebody else. Because their future is our future. In Jesus' name. Listen, we're going to have uh, some ministry teams up here. Maybe you just need to come and just sit with the Lord on a, for a while on this and just say, Lord, I'm, I'm tired of running. I'm, tri- I'm tired of sitting. I'm tired of, of, of where I've been. I want to come back into this place. I want to be unified with you. You already are, but just in your state of existence, you want to be unified with Jesus and his body. Amen. Listen, have an awesome Sunday. We'll see you next Sunday. It's going to be really important. Uh, Vision Sunday, we'll see you next week at 10 a.m. right here. God bless you guys. Have an awesome rest of your week.